0: When you faced cancer or that loss, you aren't the same person you were before. And frankly, as I have walked through it,
1: I'm glad I'm not that person I was before. Welcome to This Is Gonna Hurt, Widows Mentoring Widows. I'm Patty G. In February of 2015, I suddenly became a widow. I'm hoping this podcast helps other women navigate widowhood. In this episode, I will talk to my sister in law, Stacy. About nineteen years ago, Stacy's husband died of cancer. She was left a single young mother of three daughters. Stacy is an evangelical Christian woman. She has often said her faith is how she and her daughters learned to live with this loss. I talked to Stacy by phone this fall. Our conversation begins after I've asked Stacy to tell us a little bit about herself.
0: I live here in Delafield, Wisconsin. I have three daughters who are now um, in their mid to early twenties, and all three are married. And I teach and tutor at our technical college, so it's a little bit about me, I guess. <laughs> and I um, met Mike my husband when I was in eighth grade. And there we were kind of eighth grade sweethearts. In high school, we were both a little kind of shy. And then we actually kind of reconnected after I graduated from college. And from there, we dated for a while and got married and had the three girls.
1: That's it. <laughs> well, from my perspective, I met Paul in 1978, and I think one of the first things he told me we we worked together at that bakery was that his brother Mike had been in love with Stacy since he was in eighth grade. So I think it was a lot about screwing up his courage to ask you out. But according to Paul, yeah. <laughs> he was in love. So how old were your yeah. girls when Mike passed? They
0: were. Let's see seven six and almost four so they were pretty young and they kind of understood things I think at varying degrees at the time when Mike was sick right
1: and so not only did you well there's being sick and then him passing and then your own grief and their grief how did that all go do you remember
0: yeah well that was it was kind of different than I would expect um I I grieved and a friend of mine said, be sure that you, if you cry, don't hide it from the girls. And I kind of looked at her and said, Why is that so that they would know that I loved them? And they said, no, it's because so they know it's okay for them to cry. And for some reason I would get teary when I'd get in the car to drive them somewhere and I would cry. And the, the girls would very matter of fact, say crying again, mom. <laughs> Kids grieve differently, and that's what—that's why what I was saying it was different than I would have imagined, because they just cope with it quite differently than an adult would, and and stuff. But periods would come up in their life where I think well maybe the reality of that they didn't have a dad would kind of hit them. I did not see them cry a lot. They cried the day that he died. Um, but then during that first six months it was I we did have the busyness of you know, their their being in school and in activity and stuff. So it you know, they weren't they weren't as sad as I thought they would be. They did have some wonderful teachers though I think that they had talked with on the playground as well. And then we also had really supportive family, two big families around us. That kept us busy and came to birthday parties and and activities the girls were involved in. So they did they helped to fill that void as well. But as I grew up, I know there there were little struggles along the way. And my youngest would say to me at times she would say even when she was kind of young, I'm missing daddy. And that this was like a, a couple years after. And I say, well, what do you miss about daddy? And she'd say, I don't know. I, and then she said, "I can't remember what he looked like." And I'd show him his picture, which was always up. But it was just that void when she was either in trouble or sad. I would get that I'm missing Daddy, and I think it was that was the word she had to say. There's something missing here that maybe her friend said that she didn't have.
1: And I like how you mentioned that right. your that your friend gave you advice right away that you took. That's one reason I want to do this podcast, because it's other widows that came forward that gave you the, like that piece of advice about go ahead and cry. I mean, mm-hmm. it, can you think of anything else, any other pieces of advice that you were given that really helped? Because, I mean, you were so young. There wasn't a lot of people that shared that experience, I wouldn't imagine.
0: Well, I would say probably the best advice that, Actually, some of the advice came right from Mike and his faith and my faith. When Mike was diagnosed with cancer, he said to me, I'm in a win win situation. He said, if I don't make it through this little trial, um, he said that, well, his win win situation was he'd be either have the testimony of a healing or he'd be home in heaven with God. And I kind of said to him, Whoa, that's where does that leave me? Because, you know, I was thinking what what my life would be like. And he said, well, if you don't, if I don't get the testimony of a healing, you'll get the testimony of how God provides for you. And so I just saw that there was provision there and guidance. My church, there are a lot of people that came around and that, that would just were supportive. Knew Mike, talked about Mike. So that, I mean, that's really helpful to to hear, you know, that kind of thing and how he affected their lives. So I would say um the biggest advice he gave was that God wasn't gonna let me down. It you know, isn't that there are lots of things that I could were just kind of miracles in the way we had I could stay a stay at home mom and how things just fell into place in many occasions. <laughs> But there wasn't always, it wasn't always a rosy path either. There were times where, you know, there was discouragement and just being overwhelmed by the home and the girls. But just to know that, we might not have felt at the time that God was giving me a testimony or providing, but as I look back, He just really used those times to strengthen me and bring me through so that I could be the best mom I could be for those girls and
1: carry on. I would say that all of us that watched you, um, you brought your faith front and forward all the time. Is there any like specific examples you can think of? I mean, and maybe even one that isn't where it isn't wasn't so rosy, that it was kind of a tough time, but you felt your faith fortified you through that.
0: While Mike was still alive, um, when he when we were looking for treatment for him, I remember crying out to God and asking him, what do we do now? With pancreatic cancer, there wasn't a lot of options for us. And it, he had stage four cancer. So I kept crying out for an answer. Where should we go? I want to go where you want us to go. And not just where I would pick or Mike would pick. And I cried out to God, and then one one evening sat down and and read my Bible, and I was reading the story of of Gideon. It's a story in the Bible where Gideon asked for signs, and the Lord told him, He said, "I'll be with you," as you know. He asked him to go into battle, and he just kept testing God and saying, "Well, can you give me this sign?" And He He gave him a sign, and I didn't get any signs. But actually, as I look back at it, the day after Mike's funeral. I was starting, you know, being kind of a person who lots of times rethinks and thinks, what if we had gone somewhere else for treatment? And then that night while I was reading the Bible, God kind of said, I heard him in my heart say, will I be with you in Mexico? Will I be with you in Texas? And I'm like, you'd be with me anywhere. And so then that decision just became more not so crucial that I find the exact perfect place wherever God was. With us was the place we needed to be. And, um, so that day when I was thinking, what well, if we'd done something different? I just, that struggle that I had had with not getting a sign or an answer with like, I understand that now because God wanted me to learn the lesson that he is always with me and don't rethink it. Just keep walking ahead. And you may not always know the reason things happen. Sometimes you get a glimpse of it, but you know, just have the faith that he is with you. So that I my faith I needed it. (laughs) I needed it to carry me through those days of adjustment and being having the sole responsibility for three kids. But I would just say that was the biggest strength I had and then just you know being with family and friends to be there when I might have needed some physical hands to replace Mike's hands or and just you know have that the comfort of others around me
1: and that was kind of a yeah. theme about hands wasn't it can you I, yeah I, I don't remember specifically I'm sorry Stacy. what was I remember what? it was uh, helpful for everyone
0: Yeah, it was. Well, I think it probably first originated with um, the family at campfires and get together singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. And then we would count, you know, say everybody's name. He's got Christopher Michael or Michael Christopher and um, just, you know, everybody. And so when Mike was sick, he started an email chain kind of started where he updated everybody on how he was doing and he always signed it in his hands. And then The summer he was sick, I think Paul and John and the brothers had a golf outing for Mike, and they knew that 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 thing in his hands was really important to him, so they made T-shirts that said in his hands on it. And so that's just been a theme, and that, that has been a wonderful thing for my girls, too, that in his hands, they would often say that and repeat that too. And I think that gave them a connection with Mike and also just to reality that, that they were in God's hands.
1: I just remember that theme. And, and it was, it was nice to have something to rally around for everybody. Yep. Because who knows, <laughs> you know, no one really knows what to say or do. And so that was really helpful. That was. And then, you know,
0: as things have happened with Jim and Paul and and Rita and Tom, that also has really connected connected us and kept us kind of grounded, <laughs> I think.
1: I have to admit, with the last couple of times when the family has gathered, I can't let them say Paul's name yet. <laughs> were, huh. I just, it, I don't know. I just can't yet. But um, mm-hmm. I think your story yeah. your story is going to help me do that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and
0: you know, Patty, there's always something that I think is like a sort of a real little hang up, like, I don't know if you call it a hang up, but, um, a block where that's just so hard. And I do remember the first spring that was coming around that Mike wasn't here. I didn't want spring to come. I'm like, he's not here. I, I just don't think it can be spring. Yeah. (laughs) And then it was spring and I'm like, you know what? Mike wouldn't want me to feel that way. (laughs) You know, and spring is New light, new resurrection, and gotta, gotta go with it. <laughs> gotta give, you know, get past that little hurdle. And I also know it was really hard sometimes watching, um, like I, I remember thinking, I wish Mike could hear them play the violin or could she hear them play the piano or learn, and he didn't get to see him play soccer or softball <laughs> and stuff. And that would be something he would so enjoy. And there was one day where I was like, I just wish he could see this God. I just wish he could see what I'm seeing. And kind of in my heart, I got the answer that Mike is doing the same thing you're doing. He's wishing you could be seeing what he's seeing. And I thought, I bet his that's even more intensely a desire of Mike said that I could be seeing and looking right on God as he is able to. So, oh, I know you asked for somebody who gave a piece of advice to me, and that was a, a gentleman who came right after Mike died. And he said he had spent some time with Mike while he was sick. And he said to me that Mike still loved me, even though he was gone. He still loves you. And I'm like, really? <laughs> it was kind of a silly response. but And then later on, I read a book that said, that your loved ones love you more in heaven because they now they know what perfect love is. They're in the presence of it, and they have the eyes of Christ. And so this book said, So dear widow, your husband loves you more in heaven than he even was capable of on earth. That really brought tears to me when I read that. It's a neat thing to know, but having him just come and say that to me, that Mike still loves you, and that we're still, we're still connected. That you know, in in spirit, was really a neat thing. And I've also often thought, you know, sometimes you feel like I'm doing this all alone. I know I struggled with. I don't want to be a single mom. I never asked to be a single mother. And then one day it was like, well, I'd rather be a mother than not one at all.
1: I can imagine, Stacy, that would have been very difficult. And I, you know, I appreciate your honesty because. You know, from the outside, well, there's just so much love in that family. And I have to say, to think about Mike loving you even more, I don't know, that's mm-hmm. even hard to imagine, Stacey. Watching you with your daughters was always very special. But I would imagine there were times where it was difficult. You know, we both went through, you know, you went through your three daughters being married without their dad, and I just went through with Katie. And that was mm-hmm. very difficult. How do you feel about that? I actually built... Anticipated it as being more
0: difficult than it was. When when Kelly got married and we were singing songs in church, I just had a vision of heaven and earth meeting, and that Mike knew what was happening. And then with Taryn's wedding, what struck me was like, oh my gosh, Mike's comment is that you know I would get the testimony was front and center to me. It was really impressed upon me the day before Taryn's wedding that I just wrote out a little speech that said I wanted people just to know that this testimony of being in His hands, how this has totally come through fruition through the people God has put in our lives. It's His grace for strength and, and you know, just understanding, but also the people he's put in these girls' lives, that just was like, oh, my gosh. That just hit me. This testimony really happened. The last one, it was just kind of hard because it was the last one. I know she found an awesome. They all found men that Mike would approve
1: of. So I know he was praying up there in heaven for who they would marry. They found awesome men. Yeah, I found at Katie's wedding, I just was always looking for Paul. I just really felt like he was there. It's like, yeah. I know and I'm going to find him if I go look, you know, on the dance floor or um, whatever, you know, I'd have yeah. to stop myself.
0: And I have to say, I think that would be a, almost a different experience for you because because it's so much more recent that Paul passed away. And it's been 18 years now since Mike is gone. So I've had you know, I've gotten used to used to where I could really see that being like he's just right around the corner or right behind my shoulder here.
1: But I was gonna ask Mm -hmm. you too, so did you struggle with being a mom and a dad, or did you just sort of understand you couldn't be both or did that take time? I'm just sort of wondering how much you carried on your shoulders.
0: Well, it is pretty hard because the you know, I I picture more the dad being the more factual, the not as emotional, maybe a little better with discipline. So that was really hard having to be. I think it was hard for the girls,
1: too, that my
0: role was kind of everything, and I had to be the bad guy by myself.
1: Yeah, no good cop, bad cop, huh? (laughs)
0: No, there was no good cop, bad cop. But it's so important to have people in your life who um, you share your struggles with because they can speak life into you and reality in you. Raising, you know, when we got to the teenage stage, there were some times where I was just, they did not like me. (laughs) (laughs) And I had, my pastor and his wife were really good friends, and I would call on the phone sobbing and say, what do I do? Or I did this wrong or handled this wrong? And they would, Say no. This is who you are. This is what you need to do. And they would pray with me, so that you just need people in your life when you when you are a widow to support you. The way in some facets, the way a husband wants. I think
1: it takes a village. Right now,
0: <laughs> I'm really fortunate. I have a group. Um, you know, kind of pulling everything into the girls. So you don't end up making a lot of friends that you go out and do a lot of fun things with. <laughs> Right. So I would say heading into my new phase, I didn't have a lot of just, um, people like that, but I got connected with something at church called the Life Group. And we've been meeting for a couple of years now. There's, there's three married couples and about four or five of us who are single. And again, it takes time to really let down that guard and everything. But, and it, in fact, it took me. A few meetings before I really told them my story, because um, you know sometimes I feel like being having been willed so long, 18 years ago, that I shouldn't be putting that out there as a centerpiece. <laughs> but but you know we've gotten to know each other better, and we everybody kind of is there for each other, and we can really open up with our struggles, and sometimes we can help each other solve them sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can just pray and just be, you know, the listening ear. I think that's so important.
1: Oh, that's really good advice. I think it's interesting that you were feeling like you shouldn't put that out as a centerpiece. Is that just kind of the lens you see yourself still, Widow? I mean, I could under- totally understand that. I know I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, on, it's on and off, kind of.
1: Not only just spacey, but
0: but no, that's still there. And I think if, you know, a little less than in the beginning, you know, it almost looks like there's a spotlight, say, over you, I'm a widow.
1: Yes. Neon light flashing. <laughs> That's definitely the way it yeah. feels. <laughs>
0: and I do feel like, though, I do have to kind of watch out a little bit too. Maybe I might think of myself more as a single woman a little bit now, but you do have to somewhat be careful and discerning, even just making some financial steps or hiring somebody to help you with something, I again then I kind of kinda of bounce things off of family in that friend group as to, you know, is do you think this is right and, you know, should should they treat me like that or or is this a fair price? <laughs> so I you gotta be caught kinda of cautious and get the feedback I think to make decisions, make bigger decisions and and not just get taken.
1: <laughs> right. No, I, I agree with that. And I again, I think this is good advice to really look for community and support because I think it would be easy to isolate yourself and not everyone's going to come knocking at your door. So it sounds, well, you've got such a nice family, but it seems like you've extended yourself a little bit and you've searched for that too.
0: Yeah, because my family, you know, everybody's got really active, busy families too. So, you can't just expect that they're always going to be able to respond as quickly as you might feel you need it. And it also is good to have an identity beyond your, your family as well, too, I think, because I still get
1: razzed by brothers and stuff.
0: <laughs> you have a little different lens who I am.
1: <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. you're you out 18, 18 years Mm-hmm. So I guess as a voice of hope a little bit, can you sort of see where stages sort of happened or when it stopped being quite so painful? The name of this is This Is Gonna Hurt. At 18 years out, do you have long-distance kind of advice or experience sure. you could share?
0: Well, I think it's pretty it's pretty rough for at least the first couple of years. The first year, I think you might be having a little bit of numbness. And I think it's probably very natural that actually God puts you a little bit in that state where you're not feeling at all. And then I think the second year, there's a more uh, feeling it even a little deeper. But I think that pain, there's a lot of good that comes from pain that, you know, you can make it through. You Watch yourself make it through that pain. And you also I think are more aware you can see other people walking through that too and and seeing that you know maybe they didn't lose a spouse, but they've lost um a child or a job or finances, and I think it helps you know when you can see that it also puts your loss in perspective but i in kind of thinking about this talk, I was I had written some letters and had given some talks, and I pulled out a little bit of that to refresh a little bit, but I had an uncle who was dying of cancer, and I wrote he and my aunt um, a letter and kind of telling them how we walked through it. I'll just read this little portion. Although I would love to have Mike here with me, I don't know that I would want to negate what God did in both of our lives. What he did is Mike faced death, mine carrying on, I wouldn't want to negate what God did in both of our lives and what he's doing in mine. I've gotten to know God and trust him in ways that I never had to when I could depend on Mike to take care of things. I have found God to be nothing but faithful to me on a day-to-day basis. He has stretched me, and that has been a very good thing. I've seen his fingerprints in my life in a way I never did before, and true joy I have found is in trusting and knowing my Redeemer, Lord, and Heavenly Father. You know, going through everything that I have, I'm a totally different person. And I know I said to someone, when you faced cancer or that loss, you aren't the same person you were before. And frankly, as I walk through it, I'm glad I'm not that person I was before. You're going to look back and you're going to see, man, I didn't know I was that strong or that I could have this much persistence or endurance. And I always say it's kind of rewarding to see the growth.
1: Those are encouraging words to anyone who's going through it, that you will get through it. And there's always, it never means that you wouldn't have this person back in your life. But that's kind of your choice, I think, in a way is to stay in that place or accept that mantle that you're going to have to move forward. So I would mm-hmm. say, you know, I'm just beginning that. But watching you and watching Larissa and these other women that have come into my life has really helped me. And then I now have friends who are fresher on this. And so I get to pass along some wisdom I learned. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast, because, it, you know, maybe yeah, people don't nice. have this support group that we were, you know, blessed mm-hmm. with. And maybe they'll hear something that really helps.
0: And for that widow who's going through it real freshly right now, you have to go through a tunnel. You do have to, it's going to be dark and it's going to be hard. And you want to be in there. You want to cry. You want to, you know, just let the emotions be there and not feel guilty or strange for having those feelings. But you you got to go through that tunnel to get to the other side get to the light so um, I belong to something called Grisier and one of the presenters said well you're going to have to cry 1,750,000 blah 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 (laughs) tears he goes so you might as well get going right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect
0: (laughs) but yeah you you just keep you're going to be in it but there's a light Yeah, there is light and it gets, it does get better, but it doesn't always seem like that's going to be possible. But the sun does come out, and sometimes it comes out for brief, brief periods. It might peek out behind the cloud, and it might go back
1: in. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So the crying isn't weakness. It's a necessity. Mm-hmm. I think that's something, too. I, You know, I was struggling with, I have to be strong, I have to be strong. Feeling that emotion is not weakness. In fact, that takes strength to actually allow yourself to feel that emotion, I think. Because it doesn't feel good.
0: And I've actually heard, too, that tears are cleansing to the body. They get toxins out and the emotions, too. So they are very good things.
1: (laughs) You said a sign of strength. I think that you put that really well. Well, I really appreciate this, Stacey. Was there anything I didn't ask that you had something or something you wanted to say before we, we sign off?
0: it would be my prayer that if if you are a widow that you would be able to just reach out and connect with people who are going through that grief process that is really a good thing to to then to be kind of in it not totally alone but with someone else and and i just coming from my faith, I just say call upon the name of the Lord, call upon Jesus, and that sweet name, He hears you, and He, he knows everything about you, <laughs> He knows everything you're going through, and just call upon Him and ask for Him to be real
1: to you. That was my phone conversation with my sister-in-law, Stacy. As mentioned in the interview, Stacy's daughters are all young married women beginning lives of their own. Stacy is downsizing from the home she and Mike built and is building a smaller home close to her oldest daughter. She continues to be active in her church and calls herself a follower of Jesus. I'm Patty G, and you've been listening to This Is Gonna Hurt Widows Mentoring Widows. Join me in two weeks when I'll talk to Diane. After 40 years of marriage, Diane suddenly found herself a widow. She has found positive ways to move on from this devastating loss. Open yourself up to new love now. That new love is not necessarily
0: a new husband or dating or anything like that, but definitely giving yourself to other people.
1: You can subscribe to This Is Gonna Hurt, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And you can send feedback, ask questions, or share your own story by emailing hurt one at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.